Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we will look at how God has created us to practically invite His manifest presence in our lives. Directly connecting with God is our privilege because of the finished work on the cross that abolished the curse that separated us from God at the beginning of time by Adam and Eve's sin. Let's clarify the distinction between God's omnipresence and His manifest presence. God's omnipresence means that He is everywhere and every when present. This is true from the microscopic to the macro universe. He is constantly looking and speaking. His gaze keeps everything we see visible, and his voice is the vibration that keeps all things alive. There is nowhere you can go to escape his omnipresence. See Psalm 139, 7-12. God's manifest presence is more of an intimate thing. When you focus on God through reading the word, prayer, praise, worship, journaling, etc., you are inviting him to engage directly with you. And when you do, you invite all that he is to be present as well. In addition to his omnipresence, you invite his omniscience, his perfect wisdom, his omnibenevolence, his perfect love and character, his omnipotence, all strength and power. This is why signs, wonders, and miracles accompany his manifest presence. One point I want to make clear is that we are not to seek him for those signs, wonders, and miracles. He brings those along with him as side effects with his manifest presence. But if you seek the manifestation more than you seek him, he is not pleased. Do not seek the gifts above the gift giver. This reveals a lack of spiritual maturity to handle all that God has for you. Extraordinary miracles are not only possible with faith, obedience, and the power of the Holy Spirit. They are proof that you have access fully what Jesus paid for you to have. From the very beginning of creation, with Adam and Eve, God desired to give us his manifest presence. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and spoke with them directly. Eden was a perfect heaven-on-earth place back then. Their original sin separated us from God and split the heaven and the earthly realms. But Jesus' finished work on the cross gave us back the access for us to be able to have intimate, personal relationships with the Holy God. Since the fall, we have been struggling to get back to the intimacy that was lost in the garden. This is mostly because we don't realize that Jesus reversed that curse. If you believe that God is distant because of your limited theology, he will feel distant. But if you realize the truth of what Jesus accomplished for you, you can live out of that union that he died for you to have and have incredible intimacy with God. Each generation has more access of God's manifest presence than the previous generation. It's kind of like compounding interest. This is because each day that passes draws us closer to Jesus' return. It's like the heavens are dropping closer to the earth each passing day. 
the last generation will have the most incredible manifest presence, the most people, and the most power. Because those are the ones that are ushering in the return of Christ with great signs and wonders. David, perhaps more than any other Old Testament example, understood how to welcome the presence of God in his life. His life was marked by surrender, praise, worship, and prayer, and brought God's powerful presence to the point that God called him the man after his own heart. Your heart's willingness and openness to God invites him to see you and then to engage with you. This is exactly what David did. The Word of God was written by many authors who had different personalities, giftings, and talents. They were ordinary people who encountered the manifest presence of God, and he molded them. When the Holy Spirit is hosted by a person so significantly that he actually feels welcome enough to live through them, what happens is he's not actually canceling out who you are. He's capturing the best of you. It's though the personality gifts and the demeanor that you have are now an expressed mix of the immersion of God's influence inside of you, that is, his capital S Holy Spirit with your small s spirit transforming you into your Christ identity, the very best version of yourself, because it's the fullness of God plus the uniqueness of you. That's what we were all born to live like. Faithfulness and obedience keep you in sync with God's perfect plan. Whenever God gives you a promise, it's because he's gone into your future and brought back the word necessary to get you there. God's job was to get you to heaven. Your job is to bring heaven to earth by your prayers and obedience and faithfulness. You need to live for one thing, to know the presence of God and its fullness in your life. God's desire is for you to have the overflow of the Holy Spirit so others can draft off his overflowing presence in you. God wants you to live Holy Spirit-centered lives. Fixing your eyes on him is your only responsibility. He will do the rest through you. When you welcome the manifest presence of God, you open the thin veil that separates heaven and earth. It was interesting for me to learn about the sound of heaven. It was described as the breath of God blowing across the reeds of a heart and changing the atmosphere. I experienced this personally in a healing prayer session with Tim back when I was on staff at the Cleveland House of Prayer. For those who have listened to this podcast, you may remember that Tim's miraculous healing was intertwined with my miraculous Lyme's healing. There were four or five of us praying in tongues over Tim, and the sound of our praise song 
was so much louder than we could have produced by our own voices. My daughter was down the hall watching Tim's children, and all of a sudden they rushed into the room to find out who could be singing such a loud chorus. She said it sounded like a hundred angels had joined the chorus of our singing in tongues. Tim recalled feeling weightless, as though the Lord himself was carrying him, and he could hear the angels singing as well. I'll never forget that experience. The Old Testament prophets showed moments of God's powerful manifest presence. They lived in a season where the anointing of God could only come upon them as God desired, and only to specific people. We live in the New Covenant days with the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer's hearts, which means that at any point we can invite the manifest presence in our life. We just need to remember to include him to do so. Jesus showed us by his lifestyle of living in the presence of the Holy Spirit day by day exactly how we can also do that. Since the Holy Spirit is in every believer of Jesus Christ, his residence in us is a promise that he will never leave or forsake us. The thing that's interesting, though, is that some believers have more evidence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit than others, but it's the same Holy Spirit in every believer. The difference is that he is not welcomed by every believer, acknowledged or invited to show his might and power. We must do that. He's a gentleman. When we walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he works through our weak character when we make him welcome. This is the anointing within, and it is activated by our asking, seeking, and knocking for more of God. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. The first said, everyone, that is you too. Character and power are two legs that we stand on with equal importance. A person with character, but no power, will make no significant difference in the world because they are not releasing God's power. A person with power but no character will misrepresent Christ and the witness of Christ. Jesus reminds us in three separate verses the same thing. In John 5.19, the Son can do nothing of himself but only what he sees in Father doing. Jesus is showing us by his example that he relied on the character of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit staying connected to the Father all times. Jesus could do nothing of his own initiative. And John 8.26 says, I speak to the world those things I hear from the Father. And John 14.9 says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus was a perfect representation of the holy will of God. 
he only released the truth of who God was and what the, the truth of what the Father wanted him to release. When Jesus sent out the disciples right before his ascension, he sent them without provisions or training. They were over their heads, so they needed to rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide them. He sent them out in teams so they would not be alone. I hear people say all the time that God won't give you more than you can handle. Actually, that's not true. He gives you more than you can handle all the time, so you will drop to your knees and invite him for help. God will always have a plan that's bigger than your human limitations. I believe he does that so we won't tend to try to do things on our own, but learn how to rely on him. That way we can be perfectly clear that it was the Holy Spirit and not our strength that accomplished the miraculous impact that he has for us. The safest place for you to be is in the center of God's will, with the presence of the Holy Spirit protecting you. When you are under God's will, you are under his umbrella of protection. The big thing I learned here was that if I wanted to succeed in anything, I needed to stay Holy Spirit-centered. Matthew 6.35 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus' limited direction to the twelve was so they would go and learn how to depend entirely on the Holy Spirit's ways and see for themselves the power of the presence of God. You won't welcome someone you don't believe in. Ephesians 4.30 verse 5 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. To grieve is to cause sorrow or distress, and it is a feeling of loss. I believe when we don't welcome the Holy Spirit, who desires to have a personal relationship with you above all things, we grieve him. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. To quench is to stop the flow, cut off communion, put out a fire, extinguish the passion of God. This reminds me of the importance of staying in the naturally supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit. I knew that it was important to God that I stay in the flow, but to think that it grieves him when I disconnect from the flow makes me more determined in my spirit to stay in his holy presence. Abiding in God is being conscious of him. We will always release the reality of the world we are most aware of. Let me say that again. You will always release the reality of the world you are most aware of. Living in continual awareness of the limitations of the world will limit you. Living with the continual awareness of God as the supreme goal of your life is the privilege of hosting the Holy Spirit in your heart. Authority comes with the commission the call, or the assignment. The power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Your ministry should flow out of the relationship of the person who lives in you, not for the sake of you, 
but empowering you for the sake of others. Your calling is not for you. It is for the ones God has called you to bless by him. Here are four ways that you can intentionally release the Holy Spirit's presence. Speaking the Word God gave Jesus the words, and the Holy Spirit will give the believers the Word. Jesus is the Word. The Word of God is his will. So the words spoken to the prophets in the Bible are truth and life. And the words that he speaks to you consistent with biblical principles are also truth and life. When you personalize the word of God and apply it over your life or someone you're praying for, you are activating the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. The second is to take an act of faith. God's presence accompanies his actions. They bring a substantial release of God's presence. Actions speak to the heart. So stepping out in faith brings forth his power. You're saying, I believe you before I see you, and I'm going to take a step of faith to prove to you that I know who you are and I know your will. When God directs or commands you to take an action, you need to take that action immediately. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Act according to his command or direction, or you will miss the blessing he has in that moment. Part of the action is realizing the power of the timing of the action. Making sure if he asks you to take a step of faith, for example, and talk to somebody in the Walmart, missing that step quenches the spirit. So you want to make sure that you understand that if he gives you something to do, if he says, come to me, he means now, not when it's convenient for you. So take those acts of faith seriously if you want to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. The more you do, the more he'll trust you with more. Another step or way is to obey his voice for prophetic action. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that you don't understand the reason for, or it might even seem illogical or outside human reasoning. There's a lot of Bible stories about people asked by God to do things that seemed completely crazy at the time. All you have to do is read the book of Ezekiel for all the different illogical things that the Lord asked him to do, and he did so in obedience because his actions were communicating something to the people watching. This particular one Reminds me of a time the Lord gave me an assignment in the morning for something that seemed totally premature, and then he revealed later through the course of the day the reason why it was on my agenda. He had put people and places in my path that day to make sense of the assignment at the end of the day, and that's kind of how it works. You know, he'll ask you to uh, for example, there's a story where one of the ladies 
was asked to bring a shawl to the Temple Mount in Israel. She had no idea why, but she obeyed that directive. And later that day, that shawl was needed for someone to even be able to be on the Temple Mount. So it's just really interesting how, you know, we don't know why he's asking us to do things sometimes, but we just need to obey that direction when he gives it to us. Last way is to actually touch people. When you feel the Lord is is calling you to lay your hands on people in prayer, for example, it is one of the ways that we release the Holy Spirit from one person to another in healing or blessing or for some other sort of anointed special purpose. You may have a feeling in your body of warmth going through your hands when you do that or while you're praying for someone. And sometimes you just have a sense, I'm supposed to kneel right now. I'm supposed to touch this person right now. Ask permission to touch people, but explain to them that, you know, the Lord is asking you to. And, um, you know, you'll you'll touch people where you're supposed to. There are some really funny stories of, of different prophets that were told to do something physically, to touch somebody in a physical way that was really weird. Like there's this woman, an elderly woman, and the Lord told this this um, healing prophet that he needed to punch her in the stomach. What a weird thing to be asked to do. But actually, when he did that, her the stomach cancer in her body just disappeared. It was so weird. But anyway, God will give you some things to do that you don't understand. And the bottom line is that you need to obey them. And it's very helpful for you to really know the difference between God's voice and, you know, your voice and the enemy's voice when you're getting assignments like that. We just covered some of the ways that you can intentionally release the Holy Spirit. What I wanted to do here is talk about the ways that you're releasing the Holy Spirit without being aware of it. So there are some kind of categories where that could be happening, too. When the woman suffered from 12 years of bleeding, touched the fringe of Jesus's robe, he could feel the Holy Spirit's healing power flowing out of him, but he was unaware of why or who was receiving it. Jesus could feel the movement of the Spirit in him. And I often feel the moving of the Spirit in me as well. It may feel like uh, I call it glory bumps. Other people might call that goosebumps, but I give him credit for it by calling it glory bumps. Sometimes you'll fall backward or forward. Sometimes you feel warm sensations or almost like an electrical feeling uh, rushing through your body or other sort of physical uh, symptoms. A burning um, in your heart is described by one of the prophets in the Bible. Often when I'm singing praises or praying in tongues, I feel even when I'm just speaking and teaching, I can just know and sense the energy is different in me. And I know that that's the Holy Spirit's uh, work flowing through me. But there are some non sort of intentional ways that the Holy Spirit can pass his power on to us. And this happens more with people who are in a lifestyle of abiding because the Holy Spirit's presence is something so welcome in them that there is some overflow that just happens. The anointing is the material 
presence of God that stays with you as an indelible mark, and you carry it with you wherever you go, whether you're aware of it or not. And here are some examples. Peter's shadow, people would kind of come near him, and even the word says, even his shadow healed. It was not actually Peter's shadow that was healing. It was something called the divine perimeter of God's presence that was healing people. So there was an overflow in Peter because of his abiding lifestyle that had for people to come within feet of him and just be able to experience the healing power of God just in his proximate location. That's the, um, you know, that's what they're talking about with Peter's shadow. The second way is um, just through the expression of the heart of God. The emotions of God come off of you. They're released through you. Primarily, the compassion and the love of God, when you have allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you into his character, people see Jesus on you. And it's really the love that they're encountering when you walk in the room. You can change the atmosphere of a room without even realizing it. This is because the emotions of your heart have a, an attractive vibration that people can sense. You can change things. I was very interested to learn from the Lord about the difference between sympathy and compassion. So I'm going to take a moment to, to share with you a little bit about the difference. Sympathy gives attention to the person's need, while compassion comes to set them free. I asked the Lord in journaling to help me understand this. It was during a time where I was having a hard time being patient with my mother-in-law, who lived with us for many, many years with dementia. And so if you've ever cared for somebody with dementia, it can be very challenging and they can get mean because there's a, a, a lowering of, of sort of um, guards and defenses barriers and boundaries. So it could be very trying to be caring for somebody over a long period of time with that disease. So I asked the Lord about that, the difference between compassion and sympathy. And he said, it's all about tapping into the emotions of my heart. Part of your prayer needs to be to see her through my eyes. When you sincerely pray this prayer, you will get to the place of compassion. I don't want you to feel sorry for her, that sympathy. I don't feel sorry for her. I feel love for her, that's compassion. That's what I want you to understand in your heart. It's all about love. So stay tuned to me and you will learn to love her like I do. And that's exactly what I needed to learn in my heart to be able to have a reframe for that behavior on the regular basis. The third unintentional or unaware thing is that you may be passing on the Spirit's power by objects like clothing. The Holy Spirit's anointed presence can be passed on to things like clothing because it's actually the material substance of God's presence, and it sticks around. It hangs around, it stays. 
That's why Peter's handkerchief could heal people too. We mentioned already about the woman who touched Jesus's robe. She touched the tassels of his robe because the anointing power was on his clothing. And that's why he was like, hey, who touched me? Because it was actually the anointed power on his clothing. Uh, the Lord can make things holy. If you are always praying in a room and you're always praying in the same chair or the same, when they sit in the chair, whoo, they, they can sense the, the Lord because his presence is actually stuck there too. The last one I want to share is just how we may not realize the power of worship. The Holy Spirit actually inhabits the praises of his people. We can always release and tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit by praising and loving God. When you are in worship with other people surrounding you, there is a power that's being released by your worship itself. So there's way more there than you think is happening when you're in a worship session with the Lord. The Lord's presence is inhabited by your worship. This is what Jesus had to say about that. He said, fix your eyes on me. Praise me even in the difficult times. Love me and ask me to show you my love for you. The more you can sense my love for you, the more you'll be able to focus and abide in me. I will do great things with you. Your job is to continually stay connected to the flow and become one with the Holy Spirit's presence. Learn the language of the Holy Spirit. What is my heart? What am I feeling about you or a certain situation? What do you see through my eyes? What do I sound like in you? Immerse yourself in my presence and you will know me more intimately. This will tap you into my kingdom emotions and reframe challenges for you, even in difficult circumstances and with difficult people. I want you to make it your lifestyle to include me and involve me in everything and your spiritual maturity will grow. Ask for more of my presence and you will receive more. I want to give you more. It is my heart's greatest desire to have you know me more and more and more so that you can know you as well, the true you. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. 
This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After playing with Jesus in the special place for a few minutes, ask him to show you his heart for you. How does he want you to expand your heart to make more room for him and make him more welcome? What practical ways does he want you to invite him more into your life so that he may have you become the man or woman after his own heart? Take all the time that you need and record it all in your journal. Well, I hope Jesus was able to birth in you an increased hunger for his manifest presence and give you some practical ways to remember to include him one day, one moment at a time. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.